Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready? Your wedding day. A day that you've envisioned in your mind since you were a child. And now that it's becoming a reality, don't risk your once-in-a-lifetime event. Race fans, how the hell are you? It's Race Chat Live with Chris. We're getting ready for a great night here tonight. Uh, I just fired my other two co-hosts because they can't ever seem to get here on time. So I'm just going to do this show by myself here tonight. Uh, Man, we got a lot to talk about. Everything from the uh, catastrophe in the truck race, it could have been a catastrophe, the avoided catastrophe. Uh, first of all, two things happened in the truck race that uh, you might uh, remember. One, of course, being the Jordan Anderson situation where the truck was on fire there in the beginning laps of the truck race at Talladega Super Speedway uh, this past weekend. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how the inside of the truck caught on fire, but they believe that it was a broken fuel line. Um, And so Jordan Anderson on the high banks of Talladega Super Speedway uh, felt the need to bail out of the race truck. Uh, You heard it right, race fans. Uh, If you didn't see the replay, uh, you know, 
just uh, thank goodness we pray before these races uh, because uh, definitely uh, Jordan Anderson had an angel carry him over the wall. And uh, race fans, I, I can only describe what uh, was seen, and that was Jordan Anderson was uh, unbuckled from his race car or race truck as it was rolling down the speedway uh, towards the inner wall. Um, Jordan tried to eject himself from the race truck before uh, the truck had come to a complete stop. This means that he unfastened, un- unfastened his seatbelt, took the steering wheel off of the race truck as it was rolling. May I add to that that once you take that steering wheel off, you have a rod that is dead center in that in that race truck that's basically going to you know, open your chest wide open uh, in the wrong situation. Uh, but Jordan Anderson somehow was able to bail from the race truck as it was colliding with the inner wall. Uh, it catapulted Jordan Anderson over the wall and uh, where he got up quickly and walked around just for a second before collapsing back to the ground. There's a lot of things that could have went wrong there. A lot of things that didn't go wrong, thank goodness. And, uh, you know, uh, we're just fortunate to hear that George Anderson only suffered some second-degree burns. And let's not undertone the fact that a race car driver uh, in consecutive weeks now has gotten injured. Now, this is, of course, in the truck series. Alex Bowman last week, uh, the week before, yeah, last week at Texas, um, and of course the ongoing Kurt Busch uh, injury. So it's definitely been a year of injury in NASCAR, which you know it's not something that uh, I think has been paramount over the last uh, decade or so, but it's definitely something that has snuck its ugly head uh, back up with these drivers. And uh, we heard a lot of complaining going into Talladega uh, for the Super Speedway race. Okay, all right. Well, I guess I guess we'll bring Taz Taylor on here. I was uh, shooting the. the uh, <laughs> I would think I was doing good. I was. It was in a great monologue. So we'll we'll hold Taz back just for a minute as we, as I finish the monologue. Uh, Talladega, of course, uh, being the the dangerous racetrack that it's always been. You know, the the driver since 1969 have always felt that Talladega was a super fast speedway. Of course, we've seen Bobby Allison up in the fence. Uh, Stanley Smith goes over the wall. Uh, Stanley Smith said he knew he was in trouble when the first thing he seen was a drunk race fan with no shirt on asking him if he was all right. <laughs> there's, uh, there's been a lot of incidents that have happened at Talladega Super Speedway. But, but that's not all, folks. That's not all. It was kind of a tame weekend, as uh, Taz Taylor uh will tell you when he comes on here in just a second that it was kind of a tame weekend. But uh, so Taz, what I was doing there is I was explaining the Jordan Anderson uh, situation and basically the bailing of the race truck as it was still in movement. Um, what could have happened and what didn't happen, of course. Uh, thank goodness, uh, you know uh, he uh, he only suffered second degree burns. Uh, which was the main reason why he was trying to bail out of the race truck 
Cass Taylor, it was a situation where uh, uh, burn or not to be burned. Um, how do you think that NASCAR should go about uh, this, uh, this certain situation here, knowing that, you know, Jordan Anderson unbuckled from the, from the truck as it was rolling. Of course, as I said, he took off the steering wheel, which exposes his body to basically a rod in the center of the, you know, the, the steering wheel shaft, of course, of which could, you know, impede into his chest or uh, anywhere else with the, in the wrong situation. Um, where do we go from here, Taz Taylor? Oh, uh, boy. I honestly think that Jordan, <clears throat> even though he put himself in a different dangerous situation, he put himself in harm's way of actually just hurting him instead of, you know, already doing more damage in terms of burning-wise because the truck's already pretty much engulfed in flames as it was running. And... I mean, NASCAR can look at it from different ways, but they can't really, like, do anything about it because Jordan Anderson had to do what he had to do to get out of a truck that was on fire. Yes, I agree with that. I agree with that with, uh, um, with two hundreds, Taz Taylor. I mean, it's to burn or not to burn. And, of course, you're going to, you know, you're, you're, you're basically you're in panic mode, I would guess, you know, Jordan Anderson being on fire in his race truck. He's uh, not only... Uh, watching the flames get bigger, but of course he's been exposed to it. Um, I also was essentially kind of hitting it around. Essentially, essentially, they would have to look at it as if they were in his situation. Would you rather just sit there and burn a lot, take the chance of being burned alive, or do you want to take the risk of surviving, getting the burns, and taking the chance of taking a rod to your chest, and that can do what? Maybe crack your sternum i mean right. i well, would rather now, take, now, I, I, I would that rather could impede through the chest cavity uh taz taylor well, it would not take very much uh, for that to happen but taz let's stay on topic here because basically what you're saying is you know uh we've got to what jordan anderson did was what anybody would do in that situation now let's 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 find out the reason why he felt like he was in danger, right? Is he not wearing a fire suit, Taz Taylor? I mean, he is. Is he not supposed to have a fire-retardant system in the race truck, Taz Taylor? You would think they would have a retardant system, and yes, he has a fire suit, but fire suits can only do so much there, Chris. Right, and also, so they have the little cap that comes over there. Look, we put guys down there with the gas tanks all the time, filling the race trucks up and filling these cars up. And, uh, you know, those fuelmen have to feel uh, a sense of, uh, you, you know, it's not back like back in the old day where they just catch on fire. You know, these guys have got to feel safe doing what they're doing. I'm just wondering, Taz Taylor, if some safety measures weren't being cut. And, and, and if this is not exposing a kind of bigger problem within NASCAR, uh, that maybe we've lost track since this new phase of uh, leadership has come along that we've lost the focus of the safety aspect of this sport. That's, that's kind of how I'm opening the show here today. And, look, race fans, we're glad that you're here. Uh, of course, uh, Taz Taylor joining us. Craig Moore is on remote. Not sure if he's going to be with us here tonight. Uh, we'll, we'll stay uh, updated. And uh, we also may have a friend uh, of the show, 
uh, calling in here in just a little bit yep. to help us out and, in some of the hot topic subjects. Along with along with Taz Taylor, who we got coming on later on, buddy? At nine o'clock Eastern time, uh, we're going to have Brandon Clapperton come back onto the show. He was on earlier this year. He is the promoter of Champion Cartway and Action Park East Cart uh, Speedway up here in uh, New York. And he has got something interesting cooking up for the karting world up here in New York that uh, it's only heard of in the big car world. So we're I'm interested to see what he's got planned up his sleeve and how it all came about and uh, give us some of the juicy details. All right. That sounds great. So back to the safety issue. Obviously, safety has been a, a certain topic of tone the last uh, few weeks, uh, basically starting with Kurt Busch injury. But others have said that this has actually been an ongoing thing since the original uh, telemetry of the data uh, coming out that this car was not necessarily as safe as what uh, what it was proclaimed to be. Uh, but these are certain steps like Jordan Anderson getting second-degree burns that were supposed to be avoided by certain safety uh, uh, rules, of course, implemented to uh, keep these drivers uh, as safe as possible. Of course, we had a pit crew member do something completely crazy. I tell you, I promise you, like Talladega, been there. You know, this is our twentieth time that we visited uh, Talladega Super Speedway uh, this past weekend. And over the twenty times that we've been there, Taz, we've seen a lot of crazy things that happen. Of course, they say that the track is built on an Indian burial ground. And, uh, man, we've seen everything from haulers catch on fire to magnificent wrecks uh, to, uh, you know, things that happen in the campground that you just can't 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 talk about because uh, what happens in the campground stays in the campground at Talladega. Uh, but uh, we're, we're going to try to keep this show PG rated here tonight, if that can kind of give you guys a, a certain hint of what might go on uh, in those in, in those uh, uh, wild parties there out in the pastures at Talladega Super Speedway. But so this time, uh, a tire, a crew member, basically gets hit uh, by Haley Deegan as she's coming into her pit, or a truck. I'm not sure if Haley Deegan was the one that hit or not. I'm I'm in the stand, so my perspective uh, may be blurred. Okay. So anyway, the truck uh, hits the guy with the tire, and the tire rolls across uh, pit lane, and onto the basically the grassy area in between there in the uh, in the trial. Well, a crew member decides to run across pit lane and grab uh, the uh, tire that had broke loose. And NASCAR was not too happy about that. Taz Taylor, I don't know if you guys heard about it, but uh, his hard card was pulled and he was ejected out of the speedway. A boneheaded move, or was he just being told what to do? Taylor, did NASCAR handle this in the correct manner uh, with the crew member running across the, basically the the speedway uh, to retrieve a loose tire? I feel like booting him out of the speedway immediately was a little much. Um, They could certainly penalize later on, but I think that in a sense, I understand that he's doing his job and probably was told to go get the tire, but at the same time, he's putting not only himself in harm's way, but 
Um, he's putting a lot of uh, he's putting his life on the line because at at a place like Talladega, you don't know what's going to happen, especially where where he was running off to. I mean, the cars can crash and spin all right through there, and that can wipe them out. And I think the most disturbing thing, Taz Taylor, is the fact that this was a seasoned crew member, actually a cup crew member for Stuart Haas Racing. So this guy knew knew better. He knew better, but my understanding is he was being told by a, by maybe the pit box manager, pit, pit uh, crew chief, to go retrieve the tire, and he was listening to orders. Whether or not that is true, I don't have uh, I don't have the radio communication from that. Of course, I'm going off of uh, hearsay, but uh, that in itself could have been a disaster, Taz Taylor. It really could have been. Uh, of course, with the truck race, I think that was probably the most interesting race of the weekend. Uh, the truck really put on a great show. Um, congratulations to who, who who was the winner, Taz? Who was the winner there? At, uh, it's crazy. I was at the race. I couldn't see who won. The dumbest. Uh, the dumbest. Yeah, 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 yeah. Matty, oh, my gosh. Who? The reason Matt why is because the guy who actually crossed the finish line first, I believe, was Britt Holmes. Uh, but uh, or, or I've heard I have I don't know. So while we were sitting there, Britt Holmes, I'm going to tell you what I've seen, Chastel. We were by the start finish line. We saw the caution come out. We saw the blinking yellow lights, but they were so close to the finish line that basically, you know, we were expecting them to race to the line. And, uh, well, that was obviously not what NASCAR had in mind. Uh, there, you know, Taz, there was something strange about this because in past time, if you were below the yellow line, you were not declared the winner. And if you were pushed below the yellow line, then the penalty arose to the driver who pushed you below the yellow line. But they scored, uh, 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 not Brian Rhodes, Ben Rhodes in the second spot, and they scored Matty D in the top spot. Brent Holmes not even in this picture, not anymore. Uh, But, Taz, we need to see some consistency and NASCAR and how they make these calls. In your opinion, did they get it wrong or did they get it right? No, they got it wrong. Because if you look at any other form of racing, when there's a checkered and yellow coming out, as in the field is coming to the checkers, I don't care if it's half a lap or if it's uh, 500 feet away. You, you're coming to the checkers. First card across the line wins the dang race. It's like the endure track racing. It's... I don't understand why NASCAR has to get so technical as to, oh, when the oh when the caution light comes on, it freezes the field. But at that point, this is how the field should be. So the, whoever is the leader is the leader. No, 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 no. That's not how that works. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of uh, all those rules back during COVID-19. You could wear your mask. You have to wear your mask when you're dining, but you can take it off while you're eating, but you're passing people that have their mask off. So, it, yeah, exactly. It just, but it, it just uh, NASCAR has put themselves in this box 
I don't think that they could ever get it right. And they're making, they're exposing themselves as the illegitimacy of it in these types of situations because they fail to make the same call twice. Yeah, that's a little ridiculous if you ask me. That's, I mean, I don't care if the wreck happened behind them or in front of them. It doesn't matter. They're coming to the checkers. First driver across the line, and they shouldn't, and NASCAR should know better. They always say that the, especially in overtime, as soon as they take the white flag, next flag ends the race. So that means they, whenever, however they cross the line at that point, that's how the finish should be. And that should not well, be any of the, uh, the, the technical when the caution lights came on deal. Of course, I'm happy for Matty D. I think that it's about damn time. He's been in NASCAR for a very long time and uh, probably has streaked about as long as Michael Waltrip for never catching a win. So um, maybe NASCAR just favored Matty D because, like Michael Waltrip, uh, he's not really had the opportunity to taste victory. I'm not sure. Um, how uh, NASCAR was able to come to the conclusion that Matty mm-hmm. D won, but, uh, you know, you can't take it away from him now. So uh, congratulations, Matty D. Uh, but, man, what a magnificent race. So the, the Xfinity mm-hmm. race. Uh, do you have anything the on the one series? Um, I do want to edit Miss Lee's comment saying uh, – Brett Holmes won the freaking race, all in caps. Worst NASCAR call of the season. And who said that? Uh, Our wonderful production manager, Miss Lee. Oh. Wow. Thank you, Miss Lee, for for being here. Yeah, I I mean, it was heartbreaking. Of course, that's a North Alabama boy, uh, Brett Holmes. A former, uh, what they called at the time, Nee Smith, uh, uh, crate, 604 Crate Lake Mile uh, National Champion. Um, it was I think he's won an ARCA, t- ARCA title. He is an ARCA title winner, exactly, in his own right. So, Brent Holmes has been around, and uh, that was just an unfortunate uh, uh, situation for uh, Brett Holmes. At, yeah, he, uh, he definitely should have won. He definitely should have won. So the Xfinity eyes, race? Xfinity. Um, yeah, man. They really stunk that show up. 50 laps. 50 laps at the end of the race, they were single file. It was a choo-choo train. Not typical racing that we see from the Xfinity series. But our guy, A.J. Allmendinger, picks up a super speedway win. A.J. Allmendinger has had a dominant season, and the news doesn't stop there. Just today, I believe, announced, or maybe it was yesterday, uh, A.J. Allmendinger will be back in the Cup Series as a full-time participant in with Colleague Racing in the number 16 uh, Chevrolet. I think that was one of the poorest performances of Xfinity all year. I mean, we've always known, they've always been known as the 
is basically the number one race all weekend usually when they're on, but they kind of they didn't really put much of a of a big show on this time around. I don't know if it's because they were worried about safety from the truck race or if they're worried about maybe timing. I don't know. Well, safety was definitely discussed, but it was it was in the uh, the Cup Series. Uh, why uh, the Xfinity Series decided to go single file? Why they did not race like we've known, like we've typically seen uh, the racing in Talladega? I just I'm really not sure. Um, maybe just the thoughts, you know, of these drivers getting hurt has has it on everybody's mind. Um, I know. After the past couple of weeks of hearing drivers, they weren't too excited about going to Talladega, and I think that that's putting a really black, a big black eye on the sport because uh, one of the greatest places to go to a race is Talladega. Like, that's where you tell all your buddies, man, it's the coolest thing in the world. And to have the drivers publicly stating that they didn't, that they don't like the style of racing and they would rather not go there, it's hard to sell, man. I mean, it's like, you know, I understand that there's a. Uh, you know, there's a danger aspect to the sport, man, but um, we were sending guys for 30, 40 years in race cars that had, you know, stock seats in them, Tad Taylor. We, I mean, they invented the, the five-point harness or whatever, sure. But my gosh, man, they had open-faced helmets up until 20, 20 years ago, man. Uh, I, I just... You know, I, I understand that these guys, what it is, is I don't want to call it the pussification of NASCAR along with all these other sports, but by God, I feel like I just did. And maybe I'll get some claps, and then maybe I'll get some boos. I'm not really sure how people will take to that. But the one thing that I have argued overall this time, the more that we hear, I'm not a proponent of people getting hurt, Taz Taylor. But we in stock car racing and the racing world, we understand that there is a sense of danger uh, to what we do, right? And that's, that's part of the intrigue, right? Uh, so you, you take some of these old school racers that have flipped, you know, going down the backstretch in a midget, would they want it any other way? No, of course not, because they're, they're, they would die doing what they love to do. That's, that's the appeal the sex appeal to this sport. It is dangerous. And so, so over the last 20 years, with you know, you've basically been able to run cars up through the wall and over the wall and in the wall and through the wall, um, that, you know, and they walk away because they have all the greatest safety features in the world to keep them safe, which is a great thing for the sport. Now that with a little bit of sense of danger, all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's changing the style of racing that we've got going on. Well, look. Um, yeah. is that not why you guys get paid millions? I'm not saying that it's okay to send these guys out in unsafe equipment, but we've seen wrecks already, and we know NASCAR is going to fix the rear end of these cars. You know, are we overreacting as a sport altogether, Tab? It depends on the case. I mean, I do feel like the cup cars, um, they have gone backwards in the sense because... I mean, when was the last time we've had um, concussion issues that have been this bad? And Dale if you, why exactly back? And back was that was back in. Um, I want to say the Gen. 
I want to say it was like the Gen, no, not Gen Six. I want to say the Gen Five, because this was before the Camaros and, and Mustangs came in. I know it was 2012 and 2017. Because I believe the Gen Six came in when the Camaro and the Mustang came in. But but I, but Junior never ran around that time, so I want to say it was like around the Gen Five era when that happened, and that was around two thousand that was around two thousand fifteen, I think, when that happened. But that, we've had we've had Michael and Nat get hurt. We've had Kyle Busch break his leg. We've had uh, uh, Eric Amarola break his back. You know, we've had injuries, Taz Taylor. We've had drivers get hurt before in this sport recently. I mean, I I get in your sense of what you're saying, but I just feel like that we've kind of gone backwards in a sense. And plus, um, there was a there was a feature that didn't even work well because the planes went through Kevin Harvick's dash and that's not safety related and I'm glad that they ended up taking precaution or they made the adjustment to that quickly but it's pretty sad that um, these drivers are taking these bumps and bruises when they should have been relying on the safety of the car um, in the first place. And it's pretty sad that Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick, the ones who have been most outspoken about this, um, it took them to be outspoken for a number of weeks for something to finally say, hey, look, we need to really sit down and look at these things. And Denny Hamlin was interviewed at Talladega um, because I guess he had a discussion with Steve Phelps, and he said that um, this is Steve Phelps. He has nothing against Steve Phelps. He believes Steve Phelps is the – best president for NASCAR and he has the and this is the best relationship he's had with a president of NASCAR and he believes Steve Phelps will do the right things to make sure that the safety improves with these next gen cars and um he's finally he's finally happy that somebody's actually finally opened up their ears and listened to the drivers the ones who matter the most in these cars Yeah. Well, he had to backtrack a little bit of what he said uh, Saturday when he was basically uh, saying that NASCAR needs to dish, ditch this car and rebuild a new one, redesign a new car, and a change of leadership uh, was needed. Now, Chad Saylor, as we talk about change of leadership, I do want to add that we've uh, discussed in the past, how well we liked my Jim France coming along and adding a little bit of spice uh, to the NASCAR series. Uh, definitely, things had become stagnant with Brian France under leadership, and Jim France was a refreshing new step. But I remember a time when Roger Godell was favored in the NFL. Not so much now, and I feel like Jim France is losing the appeal 
as he has quietly tried to take NASCAR and put it more into the IMSA type of stage of racing. Uh, when by that I mean the uh, the rear ends of these race cars, the new design of these race cars, the the the, the steering columns of these race cars, all of this has become you know similar to what style of racing that they have in IMSA. On top of that, he's trying to take us to basically a third of the season uh, being at road course racing. And I don't think anybody ever signed up uh, for a quarter of the season or a third of the season for sure uh, of work of going to road course races in the NASCAR, uh, uh, any series of NASCAR. Uh, So this new design car that was basically pushed along and, and, and to be honest with you, it was held back because it wasn't ready. And obviously it's still not ready because there's been a lot of issues uh, pertaining uh, tires, pertaining uh, people getting injured. It's making, in the whole test, Taylor, it's making NASCAR look like fools. And in a lot of times in these situations, the only way to win back the public approval, right, is to what? To completely gut leadership and start all over again. Do you see that happening in the future as NASCAR tries to juggle all that's going on right now? There's been a lack of ratings in the chase. We have more winners than we ever have, which should mean that we have more appeal than we've ever had. Uh, the leadership, the, the lagging, lacking of leadership in this crisis of drivers getting hurt and the push toward more of an IMSA-style racing are all these leading up to basically these drivers asking for a new uh, direction in leadership from the top of the board, not necessarily from the acting president? I I don't want to say it's the in the entire leadership deal. I think that um, the officials. It's great that they're listening to the fans in one sense, sort of because they're not entirely listening. But I feel like they really need to figure out how to um, please not only the fans to stay into the sport, but you need to um, you need to get the approval from the driver's side of things, too. Because your drivers are what's making your sport. Your fans are what's making your sport. If you don't make either... At least either one of your ends, you know, happy, then you're not in it for the long haul. You're just kind of in it for yourself at that point. I mean, the drivers still speak of the the safety aspect. Uh, Fans are, are getting the road course short track deal and whatnot, but the fans are not the fans are not happy with how the perform the racing performance is at some of these races. Like they got I think the mile and a half deal they've they got the right package down. But I think in the sense that of like the short track racing deal, like it's been awful. Like short track racing is supposed to be like entertaining and, um, you know, one of the most talked about races. And we've been to how many short tracks and we've hardly got much memories. I mean, shoot, 
we had Bristol Dirt, and the most memorable one was the finish. Yeah, and, and Bristol, the to, second Bristol, which was uh, overshadowed uh, by failing parts, or as Kevin Harvick called it, shitty parts. <laughs> and also in the um, sense that um, Martinsville was a snoozer, and Martinsville always puts on a heck of a show. Like, I don't remember the last time I've seen a bad Martinsville race. Yeah, and supposedly they went there and tested, and, right? And they did not, uh, they could not come up with a uh, solution. Uh, so basically, the same boring ass race that we had at Martinsville in the spring, we're going to have again here in the fall. So Which sucks because, it's into the sense that, um, it sucks in that because we have Martinsville as the race before the championship Ford as the cutoff race and that's that's really saying something I mean why would you have the penultimate uh, race before the championship be a snoozer you want that to be the most thrilling because everything falls onto that race before the championship Um, wow, let's take a breath here. Uh, first of all, we want to thank you guys for listening to the show and being a part of us this season. Uh, it's been a, a definitely a great season. Of course, you know, we're, we're down to our last almost handful of shows here. Um, and uh, so the season will be coming to, a, to an end. We're looking forward to uh, the Phoenix race where we will be on that Sunday night to discuss uh, the championship and who won. Really looking forward to that as well. But um, so, have we even started to discuss the cup race yet? Oh my gosh! So supposedly Saturday, and this has been confirmed, drivers uh, set a drivers only meeting and discussed uh, the race this weekend. And well, race fans, we've. I had a crappy race uh, out of the Cup Series. Uh, not very much three-wide racing at all. No real slicing and dicing. Um, guys were uh, very patient. They didn't push any issues. Uh, Ross Chastain was quoted as getting out of the car saying that he suffered a, uh, a sick stomach through most of the race because he was afraid of being in an accident. Uh, Taz, did you notice anything different about this Talladega Cup race versus ones in the past? I think that the the drivers took some of the things into perspective, and one of them the broadcast hit on was the was how the was the shape of the front bumpers on these cars. The Mustangs were more flat, whereas like the Toyotas and Chevys were more rounded. So I think drivers were trying to figure out how can the draft system work by lining up bumper to bumper without causing a major major wreck. And I think that with what's happened 
in terms of uh, Kurt Busch and Alex Bowman. Um, I think drivers are more cautious in trying to make sure that um, they didn't get the wrecks to happen and, you know, put themselves in more harm's way and hurt more drivers and everything like that. So I think that they played more on the safer side, but they still knew that, you know, we got to go out and race for the win and try to better ourselves into the playoffs for those that are elder, that are still in the playoffs right now. So I do believe that it was a more calmer, uh, more cleaner race. Um, I don't think it was, I don't think it was a snooze fest by any means. Um, but I, I think this is one of the calmer, one of the calmest Talladega races to recent memory. And I think that could fall in the safety aspect, and I think that could also uh, fall on uh, the drivers of trying to figure out how can they line each other up for the drafting um, when it comes to the bump shapes of the bumpers. So a lot of people claim that uh, there was no passing at Talladega and cars could not pass. But I beg to differ with that because I believe Brad Keselowski started the race out near the back, and before a penalty on pit road for speeding, he was actually running up in the top three. So obviously, some cars have – well, some drivers, I would say, always have feel a little bit more uh, to the advantage of their type of driving style. So Brad Keselowski definitely a very successful super speedway racer. Uh, it's hard to really judge whether or not there was uh, actual passing issues or, or not. Uh, being that there was only two lanes racing, uh, I seem to think that there was uh, some issues uh, with the ability to pass. But that's kind of been the, the, the going thing with about all of these races here lately. Uh, these, these cars were not supposed to be as aero-dependent. Um, but, uh, and, and the diffuser was supposed to create that kind of downforce, uh, but obviously there seems to be, you know, uh, a slight advantage to somebody running up front. Yeah, I think they just played the safer deal. I'll look at the numerous, uh, variables and try, just, you know, I think they were all looking out for each other, but at the same time, they all knew there was one goal in mind, and that was basically to win. But, like I said, safety and I think the bumper alignment. They, they play, but there was passing, though. Uh, as you mentioned, Brad Kozlowski was, was one uh, to mention, for sure, in that deal. Um, i trying to think who else in that mix. Um, Did you McDowell's another McDowell was another one. Eric Jones was one. Um, and Kyle Larson was up in the front and then fell back, but there was definitely some passing though. Yeah, all these guys, of course, are, are well-known plate racers, are super speedway racers. So, Taz, I don't know if you were around for the last pit stop there, but I have never in my life, ever, ever, ever at Talladega scene where the cars basically joined, the last cars on pit road joined the draft as they were coming out of the pits 
and basically did not have a, a single warm-up left. Did, did y'all catch that from the TV side? Oh, where I think it was, um, shoot. Was it all guy though, seeing like the first pit stall or whatever, and they threw the yellow? No, no, no. This was during the last green flag pit stop. And the cars, uh, basically the Fords went in, and then the Chevrolets come out. And there was basically the way that it happened was when the cars were coming back around the the uh, the, the cars uh, from the last pit stop joined the draft, and it was just a perfect synchronized. There was never uh, the, the typically in green flag pit stops you have a separation of the cars, one draft pack versus the other draft pack. Well, in this last green stop, green flag stop, the, there was no separation of the field. It was almost as if a perfect unity, uh, the cars joining back together uh, after pit stops, which we've, we've seen a million pit stops, green flag pit stops at Talladega through the types of series that we've watched, and we've never seen it work out as easily as it did. Uh, not, not one side had an advantage to the other. I'm not sure if it was based on how many cars pitted at one time or what, but it was just very unusual uh, that the pack was able to join back together in the final run, in the final green flag run. Uh, of course, the incident that you were speaking of, Chaz Taylor, uh, I believe Daniel Hemrick brought out the last caution okay. in the cup race with five to go. I'm almost certain NASCAR was going to throw a caution flag because as the drivers had discussed about the uh, chances of somebody getting hurt, things were getting juicy really, really quick. I'm not sure if they would have made it back around one more time without without a massive wreck. Chaz, uh, do you have thoughts on that last caution? Uh, I can understand NASCAR's call, but I, I, I don't know. I'm like back and forth on this. Cause like I can under, understand the safety aspect of it, but at the same time, he's not technically on the racing surface. So, therefore, I feel like the in that aspect, I feel like the yellow should not have been thrown. But I can understand why they did because he was, you know, far enough out on pit road um, to where if something were to happen, you know, he's kind of basically a sitting duck as to anything that could happen. But I, I just, I see it as, I see why they did it, but I'm not in total agreement as to throwing the yellow yeah, line. There's a ten, he's, there's he's a not ten, in the racing circuit. Minute, there's a 10-minute caution clock, right? I mean, a 10-minute uh, 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 wreck clock, right, where a guy can basically sit on pit road for 10 minutes and get his car repaired. car didn't think that it was safe for Daniel Hemmerich, who was strapped in a race car on pit road, to, uh, to sit there uh, in the closing – laps of the cup race. I think it was a cop-out. I almost wonder if uh, if, if that wasn't a staged event uh, to keep 
uh, you know, I, nobody even seen Daniel Hemrick go down pit lane, so I'm not sure why Hemrick was on pit road. Uh, but, uh, you know, and there was basically no explanation to that at all other than just seeing Hemrick there at the last pit stall on pit lane um, un- under power. So a NASCAR, when they threw the caution, we were like, what? What is going on? And we looked down, and, of course, there's Hemrick sitting at the end of pit lane, and we were like, okay, so that must be that must be the reason why. Um, Chase Elliott made an interesting statement. He said that uh, basically why there was not a wreck there at with two laps to go, he said, look, you know, basically the cars are not even at full throttle uh, within those two laps of coming back around. So they're not even up to speed yet, and so there was really – uh, I guess, you know, a, a moment of good driving by the drivers. I, I hate to take Elliott one, uh, but, uh, you know, it's not like I feel like – I don't feel like it was a staged win at all. And, you know, he was just at the right place at the right time. It was probably a little bit more aggressive than the other drivers and had every right to be as he was, uh, you know, facing elimination – just a couple of just a couple of races ago with his poor finish. So uh, now Chase Elliott is locked in. Of course, Alex Bowman. I think this eliminates him officially from the chase. He will not be racing at Charlotte after Hendrick almost was putting a guarantee that Alex Bowman would be back for the Charlotte Roval race. Um, conflicting reports. I listened to Claire B. Lang as we left the Speedway test Taylor. And Hendrick Motorsports was on. Rick Hendrick was on and basically gave inside information that uh, that Alex Bowman was doing great and that uh, we, he was expected to be back in the race car at Charlotte Motor Speedway. That has now changed. And Noah Gregson uh, will be given the steering wheel uh, for this upcoming race as he's trying to compete for a championship in the Xfinity Series. Is this fair to Noah Gregson, uh, having to basically now uh, be the full-time driver of the 48 until Alex Bowman comes back? I mean, it's got to be important to Noah Gregson to win this championship as he's getting ready to go up to the Cup Series. I think um, this kind of prepares him in a sense. Uh, I understand he's running for the Xfinity Championship, but putting him in this scenario um, kind of helps him in a way prepare him. If he were, you know, if he were to be uh, in the playoffs next year with Petty GMS, but I'm also on the same uh, sense that um, even if. Uh, he's not racing for driver points. He's helping the 48 team uh, and Hendrick with the owner points. Similar situation with Bubba in 2311. So, in a way, he's um, he's kind of you know running the playoff scenario, you know, in a sense. So he's while he's trying to you know prepare himself. Uh, for the cup level and what it's like in the playoff atmosphere, it's also uh, giving him time to feel what the playoff uh, scenario is like for him because he's now under the owner's championship for the 48 cars. 
Right. Very interesting. Um, I, I, for one, believe that this is a stress attitude, no Gregson, especially with the fact that these cars are maybe uh, be a little bit more dangerous to drive. And as he's, of course, you know, Noah trying to click off another milestone, a championship would be very important uh, in any case. Uh, being in the, even if it is just the Xfinity series. So uh, not sure if I can necessarily agree with that one, but, uh, you know, Noah Gregson signed a deal at the beginning of the year that he would be the part-time fill-in driver. Of course, this has started with the COVID, right? So all the teams went out and they signed a certain driver uh, to cover basically the manufacturer of that team if uh, one of the drivers went down. So in Hendrick, I believe they had Noah Gregson. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek was actually supposed to be the fill-in driver uh, with TRD. Unfortunately, circumstances change when Paul runs the company. So, uh, you know, that uh, uh, Ty Gibbs was given. <laughs> boy, oh, boy, have uh, we opened a snotty-ass little son of a gun uh, the old Ty Gibbs, man, he's done. He's he's making a hell of a name for himself, Taz Taylor. I'm not sure I really like this kid. Um, he's uh, he's already kind of getting on my nerves. Uh, but uh, we'll talk about Ty Gibbs here in just a second. Of course, I believe he wrecked out early in the uh, NASCAR race in the Cup race. Uh, I had them pick for the uh, for the Xfinity race, but old AJ Allmendinger. Pulls it off. How about – we were talking about AJ a minute ago, and I think we kind of lost some subject there. How about that circle, you know? Um, uh, uh, basically, it's third opportunity now to race in the Cup Series. Of course, the second opportunity come after a failed drug test that got him fired from Penske. Uh, I believe AJ was able to uh, um, uh, revive his career. Uh, by basically not giving up, and uh, I believe uh, JTG gave AJ and um, AJ uh, a second chance. I believe he was with somebody else there for maybe a year or so. I'm not really sure. I'd have to go back and look at his uh, look look at his career path. But uh, you know, basically, he retired from full time racing. Now, uh, after a great season, a couple of seasons with the colleague, and a part-time run this year, A.J. Allmendinger is set to run a full-time schedule in the 2023 season. Is he a lot? Like, are we automatically saying A.J. Allmendinger is a lot for the, for the uh, uh, 16, or can we even call those, can make those kind of predictions now, considering how many different winners we've had this season, Dad? I, I wouldn't set that prediction right now just yet. Uh, if we get the same variety uh, next year as we did this year, I wouldn't, I would not put that as a prediction in there. I mean, he probably could be if he goes, say, the Tyler Reddick direction, uh, kind of like how he was in Xfinity this year, where you know your wins are coming from road courses and that's where your best finishes are, but you're not getting the job done in the oval side. In which AJ Allmendinger did say. Uh, to start the Xfinity playoffs, that he needed him and his team really need to buckle down on the the oval side of things because road courses are not going to help them not anymore because there's only one in the 
on the playoff schedule, and that's it. So they need to step the program up, and I think they did it at the right place at the right time. Yeah, I mean, I really think it's going to work out good for AJ. Um, I like the leadership that he brings to colleague Grayson. Um, Chris Rice, of course, has given him a uh, uh, fast hot rod in the Xfinity series, and now uh, seeing him go to full-time cup series, of course. You know, I mean, Justin Haley's had a kind of a, uh, I guess, a positive year uh, for Charlie Grayson. I really feel like uh, they were set on getting Kyle Busch to sign with them, and I guess probably Heartbreak Hotel has started by now. Uh, but, the, you know, the organization it seems to be moving in the right path, and uh, I do believe promoting A.J. Allmendinger up to the Cup Series full-time is a, is a positive move uh, for the organization. Ty Gibbs, we had said something about him earlier, uh, not headed in a positive direction. Uh, of course, we still don't know who's going to be in the 18 car. Taz Taylor, do you – are you in any position to predict a Nostradamus moment of who might be in that 18 machine, or are you going to play NASCAR dumbass? It's going to be one of two ways. Ty Gibbs or John Hunter Nemechek. I've heard this about John Hunter Nemechek, and I'm just not – I mean, why would Gibbs burn – one year for somebody that he's not. I mean, <laughs> wait a minute. Eric Jones, Daniel Suarez. Uh, who else is he giving up after no, the first? Craig, Craig, <laughs> hold on. You're you're going to see where I'm going with this, right? Because if Ty gets it, that means John Hunter is going to Gibbs Xfinity program for one year because Martin Truex Jr. retires after next year, which means the ride opens up. Insert John Hunter Nemechek. Or it's going to be vice versa. John Hunter takes the ride uh, next year. And when Truex retires, Ty Gibbs steps into the plate. I'm just not sold that John Hunter is a cup racer. I think you will be once he gets in some top equipment out of the truck series. I mean... Granted, the fact he does have cup-level experience. It was it the greatest? No, but he it's there. And also, uh, he's proven in the truck series in the couple of years he's been there. Uh, give him the right equipment, and he'll put that thing towards the front week in, week out, and compete for wins. Yeah. I would say that there's a 100% chance that Ty Gibbs races for Joe Gibbs Racing in the Cup Series in 2023. What I'm not willing to say is that he'll be in the 18s. And you're not surprised that I that I that I say that. Why not? 
What was it that you said? I believe John Hunter. I believe that Joe, that Todd Gibbs Racing, Todd Gibbs will be at Joe Gibbs Racing in the 2023 race season. But I don't believe Todd Gibbs will be in the 18 car. So where are you putting him then? Well, if he's not in the 18, oh, I'm thinking you're going to put him in the 54. That's what I'm thinking. But I feel because like does Ty Gibbs does Ty Gibbs want to fill the shoes of Kyle Busch? But the thing and was, if you put Ty Gibbs in that 18 car, is that not what you're doing? But hold on, there's two problems I see with this on the 54 side. One, you got the 54 because of thank you, Kyle Busch. Two, the 54. Last I knew. Rick Ware owns that number. Yeah, that shouldn't be too hard. We'll send some tires down to Rick Ware. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that I'm sure Rick Ware will. Idea, I'm sure Rick Ware will sell it, but at the same time, I feel like Kyle Busch has some sort of uh, input on that 54. Because I mean, yeah, if you look I at it, when Kyle Busch was. When Kyle Busch was running part-time Xfinity, what was his number? Wasn't the 18? It was a 54. Right, that was his own team. Right, that was his own number. Uh, it was 51 in the Truck Series, and that went all the way back to Billy Ballou. And in the Xfinity Series, there was a 54 uh, that he uh, that he had before Kyle Busch Motorsports put running the Xfinity Series and only focused on. Uh, uh, the truck series, his, his team with the truck series. So, uh, I do see Ty Gibbs being in at Joe Gibbs Racing in the in the Cup Series uh, full time in 2023. I do not see him in the number 18 car, Taz Taylor. I see him in a different number uh, in a totally rebranded team. Um, if I'm Ty Gibbs and my grandfather runs the company. I'm going to tell my papa that I don't want to be in the shadow of the guy who basically gave Joe Gibbs the most wins at the organization. Uh, I want to create my own footsteps because, you know, um, that's uh, a legacy that the 18 car will always be known as Bobby Labonte and uh, and Kyle Busch. And, you know, I'm just not sure that Ty Gibbs uh, wants to face that type. You know, I mean, hey. In baseball, you either had your own number or you wore your your favorite superstar's number. So uh, um, I'm not sure uh, that uh, I just don't see Ty Gibbs taking the number 18. I mean, whether Joe Gibbs changes some numbers around, maybe gives uh, Martin Truex Jr. the 18, maybe even a maybe even a bold move in putting Christopher Bell uh, in the 18 car, maybe that would be uh, a, a cool thing. Uh, let's see if we got our guest yet. Ah, we certainly do. All right, let's see if uh, this is the number here. Taz, I'm going to let you uh, bring the guest in. All right. So, what, we're going to welcome back to Race Chat Live for the second time this year. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, he is the promoter of, of Champion Cartway 
and Action Park East Cart uh, Speedway up here in central New York. We are going to welcome back Brandon Clapperton. Brandon, how are you doing tonight? Good, how are you? Doing all right. So uh, you you managed to run two tracks this year uh, when we had you on. How did how did that come along for you? And what was was there any sort of learning curves for you? Um, yeah, I mean, I had I had Action Park East last year, which only ran about once a month. Um, okay. And then Champion was. Uh, they had a different promoter last year, and we were building a new track on the property. It's a cart-specific track. And uh, last year's promoter had a little falling out with the uh, with the owner, and and it was available to uh, to take over. So I, I took the lease on that last fall, and uh, and it was definitely uh, going from a once a month. It's it's a lot more a lot more intense when you're trying to make every race an event. Um, you know, like with, uh, with action park last year, only running once a month, you had a month to focus on every race. Um, and now I've got, we were up to, I think we were on 12 race dates over there this year. And then I think we had like 19 or something scheduled at, uh, at champion and no rain to help us get a little breathing room either. So, uh, it was, uh, it was definitely a pretty hectic summer. Um, just trying to keep everything going and, and, and not lose focus, you know? So, what were the cart like count or what what were the cart counts like at the at the tracks? I know that you had um you you had your main headline of the extreme budget predators and a couple other classes. What were they like? I know sometimes some tracks struggle all year long, but how did you handle? Um, we, we did we did pretty well. Action Park this year, um early in the year we were like we have really good cart cart counts. I think we had we had 122 signed in one night for eight classes, um, and uh, um, that was in that was in early June, I believe, when we had that that. We were normally over 100 that night uh, for the first half of the season. Then we we're usually in the 90s. Um, we had a couple nights in the 80s at the end of the season for the same like eight class show. Um, and uh, champion was, I mean, champion had a little bit of rebuilding to do. Um, because the old track over there was the old, like, it's almost like cinders. It's, uh, it's bluestone dust that they use for speedway bikes and stuff. And, and it really wasn't, the old track really wasn't conducive to, to good kart racing just because of the way the surface was. Um, so they had a lot of guys that wouldn't run there. But when we got the new track, though, we, we got that opened up in, I think it was June 10th, I think was the first race we ran over there. Um, and I think we were, like, we were 90, like, somewhere around 95, 90, 95 carts that night. Um, and most weeks we were in the, the 70 to 90 range. We had a couple couple of weeks that were the holiday weeks, 4th of July week, stuff like that, graduation week, where we were down in the 50s. But, you know, it's the same, uh, I think, same eight eight main classes, and then we had a couple of classes that were out of rotation over there. So most nights there was like nine, maybe ten classes. Um, so uh, the budget predators were, yeah, obviously, they're the, um, you know, they're, they're the, uh, the kind of the, I don't want to say the headliner because, I mean, I would call the clones probably the headliner, but uh, you know the the big classes we had to split them up into 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 three different classes basically based on experience um, due to numbers. But champion for the extreme budget predator class, champion probably averaged somewhere around twenty to twenty two rookie uh, budget predators. The novice were usually in the uh, 
you know, eight to 15 range. It's really, it's really up and down. It's like, it's kind of a roller coaster with them. And then the pro class was usually between seven and 16. That's another class that, yeah, a lot of hit and miss guys. Um, and then over at Action Park, uh, especially the beginning of the year was insane. We were like, we were getting somewhere around 20 or so rookies, around 35 of the novice, and usually around, you know, between 15 and 24 of the pros. So there was nights we had 77, 78 extreme budget predators and, and the classes are all the same. The rookie now is the pro. The carts are identical. It's just a just strictly an experience thing. So um, you know, it was pretty pretty insane cart counts. It kind of leveled out some um, towards the end of the year. Once once champion got opened up, we had a lot of at the beginning of the year. We had a lot of guys that were running um, action park just to kind of shake down and run until until champion got opened. Um, and then once once they opened up, we you know kind of leveled off a little bit, got a little little bit more sane levels because. 100, like 122 carts in the pits in a night is it's it, we've got a curfew over there and there was there was nights we 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 knocked on that curfew bell really hard so and uh you know we got reported one night and it was no good so we had to move up our start oh, times and stuff like that so yes yeah, and that's i mean you know we're like unlike a lot of car tracks we only run one round of heats you know you get one heat and one feature and uh you know so i can't imagine if we were on these tracks to try to do you know two rounds of heats when you're running 18 20 heats in a night is is crazy so, yeah, I've, I've noticed uh, with Dodge a lot of nights on Friday nights, they would, uh, depending on their car counts, they would either, uh, if they were on the lower end of the spectrum, they would do their normal uh, two round of heats for the feature, um, yeah. mainly for the senior classes. But I know their car counts went up uh, from on most nights, and they went back down to one round of heat and heats and with a feature to follow. But um, yeah. now you got your success seems like with both of the tracks. Now you introduce a new class, which we can briefly discuss about. But the main topic of why I brought you on was you have what's called Super Cart Week, which I'm a, which by the sound of it sounds like the karting version of of. Uh, super Dirt Week that we have up here in New York. How? What yep. was brainstorming behind that? How did that come along? And what tracks or track? Um, and how many days are you planning on uh, running this whole deal? Yeah, this it was kind of a kind of a deal. We had to put together a big week, you know, a big week in the fall, kind of a postseason week. Um, and it's one of those. It's, it's a pretty big gamble. I have no idea how well supported it's going to be. Hopefully, it's, hopefully it's well supported. But you know, the tough part is uh, you know kids. Uh, when you're when you got kids in school and stuff like that, um, that makes it tough to to pull pull the kids' classes and, and parents. You know, um, a lot of parents that run the you know run the budget predators and clones and stuff like that. But um, you know, the kind of the idea is to take it take a take a swing at it and see if it's something that's that's viable um, and uh, see if it's something we can build on. Uh, but we're going to run. It's four nights. Um, it's uh, Wednesday night, October twelfth. We're going to run out at Penn Can Speedway. Uh, they built a they built a go kart track in the infield of their big track this summer. Um, it's actually a really unique layout. It's like basically a big triangle, like a big Pocono. Um, I only had the chance to race there once, and that was their their very first race. And it was uh, well, they had some work to do, but it sounds like they've been doing a lot of work. Um, it was a uh, you know, track. It was, it was new, and so you know, not knocking him for it. You know, it was a it was a it was a fun first race. We had a good time. Um, you know, it was a track needed some needed some more work as far as surface and stuff like that. And 
some organizational stuff, but uh, but Keith is 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 putting a lot of focus in over there on the on the cart program. Um, he really likes them. Uh, Keith Beach, he's the the promoter over there, um, and he actually his son was our our uh, budget predator novice champion out at Action Park. He had a pretty pretty dominant year. He's he's he really proved himself for for a rookie driver. He's uh, he's proven himself to be definitely a contender, and probably I'm, I can see him going. He sticks around cards. He goes to stock cards or something. He's gonna be some. He's gonna be a name that uh, people are gonna know. That's, uh, that's Bryant Beach, the son. Um, but I think I don't know if that's the reason that Keith is so into it or, or what. But uh, he's he's really put a lot of a lot of work into his cart program over there and got the surface down and and uh, the track layout. They've had to they've reconfigured it a couple times to try to make it a little you know a little more driver friendly, a little safer. Um, you know because they are cutting through the infield and. Uh, you know, there's some buildings and stuff in there. They had to they had to move around and and uh, but it's a it's a really cool really cool layout. I'm I'm actually looking forward to finally getting back there and um and uh, seeing seeing the improvements. Um, but we'll go from there. Uh, well, there there we're running a I think we're doing a 500 to win um, clone heavy or clone 360 race. Um, it's uh, I think that one they're going to do based it's going to be contingent on cart count. I don't know if it's 10 cards. I can't remember. Um, but uh, just because the program's so green, he hasn't really had a lot of clone support this summer. But uh, you know, he's he's putting the effort in. He's willing to put the money up. We're going to do it. And then from there, on Thursday the 13th, we're going to head over to Champion. Um, you know, same same deal. Uh, 500 to win for the heavies. And uh, and um, and uh, you know, that'll be a Thursday night show. We'll have our budget predators, our goat, our new Ghost 360 class, uh, which Keith is also running. I mean, these are going to be classes that are going to run just about every night. Um, during cart week and, uh, and, uh, then from down Thursday, we're on Friday night, we're going to head over to action park East. Um, that's going to be the clone finale, um, which will also be 500 to win. So somebody is, you know, barring cart count could go, they go three for three. There's $1,500 in money. And, uh, me and Keith are putting up a, a $500 bonus. If somebody can sweep the first three nights. So one driver could potentially walk out with $2,000, uh, for four or for three nights of racing. Um, so that night we've got, uh, I don't have the list in front of me about what I was running at X Park, but I do know we're going to run, uh, run Mike rods, I think quarter midgets, um, we're running the, the yard carts, which are, uh, you know, kind of based on the dirt squirts group that comes around to our tracks every now and then. Um, but we were on, uh, you know, it's, it's, we've just done a couple special races, you know, the un- unsanctioned non-dirt squirts races, but, uh, you know, guys drag out their yard carts and strap whatever they can get to get to hold on to the frame and have some fun with them. Um, and we're going to have Friday night. We'll also have open practice for the extreme budget predators because the next day is the two twelve, um, which, uh, you know, that's our, that's our big, that's our highlight event for the year, uh, which is our 212 lap extreme budget predator race. Um, so that's going to be on Saturday, the 15th, um, out at action park. It's going to be the third running of that race last year. We had 69 carts attempt to qualify for it this year. Um, it, it wouldn't entirely surprise me if we hit a hundred trying to qualify for 24 starting spots. Um, but that's our, that's a big race. That, that race is a lot of fun. It's a lot of, a lot of guys camp for the weekend and, and make a, you know, have a big, make a big party out of it. Have a good time, win, lose, or draw. So. So with the two twelve, um, obviously I think in the last two years you've done it, you've had, uh, basically, like guaranteed starting spots, uh, depending on like where they ran, kind of deal, um, in certain races, whatnot. 
But this year you've had the class kind of expand to different tracks outside of your two, um, and you've done two 12-dash qualifiers. Um, yes. Explain the process of the two 12-dash qualifiers and what do, how do they play into the main two 12 event? Okay, so, so the two 12, the, the dash qualifiers that we've done. See, last, last year uh, we had guaranteed starters. We, we only had two tracks that they ran at sanction, you know, just champion and action park. And we had one track that gave them a special race. That was out at the Mid-State Mike Ride Club out in, out in the Cortland area. Um, so what we did is we ran, we ran one race at each of those tracks. It was a qualifier that gave a guaranteed starting spot in the 212. Um, however, this year with the explosion of that, with the explosion of that class last year and, and over the winter with the indoor races and getting, getting a lot of attention, we had several tracks that picked them up. I think we ended up with like eight, eight tracks that added the class um, this year. Uh, the only one that didn't, you know, that added it but didn't really get any carts is Paradise. Um, but in all honesty, it's the way our rules are set up. It'd be very difficult to make them work out there anyway with the the clutch rule and and the, you know the gearing rule and stuff like that. Um, but we had uh, this year we had obviously Champion and Action Park. Uh, we had Penn Can was sanctioned. We had uh, Genesee or Genesee Speedway um, out in Western New York. We had KB Speedway in Wellsville. We had Caroga Creek out in I don't know. I'm just gonna say out in Caroga Creek, New York. I can't remember the name of the town they're in. And, uh, and then Dodge City. Okay, yeah, Freda, yeah. And uh, and then we had Dodge City out in Cobleskill. Um, and so each of these tracks has or are running a quali- a dash qualifier. But if you take seven tracks to run in the class, um, Action Park's only a tenth mile track. If we qualify 24 through the heats, that puts us at 31 starters and uh, scoring nightmare, caution fast nightmare. We just we we can't have that many starters. So what we're doing is we're going to do a we're going to do like a dash for cash. I think we're going to do, actually, we're going to do match races. Um, I like the idea, I like how they do them out at the Super Nationals. So I kind of got the idea to kind of replicate that a little bit, where it'll be a lap and a half dash. Um, basically, they'll all draw numbers um, out, of one, out, of a, out of a cup or draw sticks or something, and we'll pick, a, we'll pick a starting driver, and he'll pick his opponent, he'll pick his lane, and they'll race for a lap and a half. The winner of that will pick their next opponent, their lane, and race a lap and a half, and then, the last one standing on that one is going to take home some cash, and uh, they're going to be a guaranteed starter in the big race. So if they want, they can skip their heats, their mains. Um, if they would like to improve their starting spot, obviously they can still run them. Um, but uh, that should be a fun, a fun way to start it off. So you know, it's uh, it's tough to win win these races when you when you're pulling some when you're pulling decent numbers. You know, we had uh, our our two twelve our dash qualifier out of champion had forty four cards to try to qualify for it. And at, over at Action Park, I think it was 46, 47, 48, something like that. And, I mean, even Dodge City, I think we had, when we ran it out of Dodge City, we had, I think it was 19 um, that showed up to run out of Dodge City. Track. So it's, it's tough to, you know, it's, it's tough to qualify for that. But if you can win that one, you can get into the, get into the dash. Once you break through that first one, then that makes it, makes it a lot easier. You got a, basically a one in seven chance of, of getting into the, you know, getting that guaranteed spot um, with the dash. So, that was so, how we that was how we laid that out. So with the two twelve event, how how does that work? Um are is there like specific like mandatory yellows and pit stops needed? Um do you just run straight on through and it's up to the drivers of how to make that work? Or um, we, or we you, run it. We do we do not have a designated pit stop. Um we do have a hot pit. We set up uh our track, our corners are really, really wide. 
they're like 60 feet wide, which, you know, obviously we're only being carts, we're only using the bottom 15, 20 feet of it. So we set up the top 15 or so feet. We put a wall up, uh, put, you know, put a second wall. So we have a pit road. Um, the drivers are allowed to bring any tools or spare parts or anything like that. They want with them into the pit, but they can't leave the pit once the race starts. They can't leave pit road. Um, any, if any of the crew guys leave pit road or if anybody hands a part or a tool or something over the wall, they're done. Um, now we count caution laps up to three at a time and until the last 10. And, uh, um, and as far as pitting, you can pit for, you can take fuel stop if you want. You can, uh, you can try to go the distance. I know last year, um, we had, we were in somewhere around, uh, I think it was around 50 or so laps. We figured we're, we're run under caution. Um, there was a lot be the first half of the race was, uh, it was, uh, it was, it, well, it did a lot of weeding out. Um, and, uh, but we had, at the end of the race, uh, Dustin Prettyleaf won the race last year. I believe he had pitted for fuel early in the race, so he made it. He was plenty to make it on, on fuel. Um, second place was Kyle Joseph, and I was told he had maybe two or three laps left on his fuel. He did not stop. Um, Alex Carmody finished third, and he figured he had around six, seven, eight, nine, ten laps left um, on his tank. So, and like I said, with, with 50 or so caution laps. Now, I know two years ago when we ran it, there was only, we'd get caution every, about every 20 laps or so. So, um, you know, there's a lot fewer, a lot fewer caution laps, but it, that was also at the original track of champion, which is a smaller track yet. Um, so if we get a race like that, where you don't get a whole lot of cautions, then I think it's going to, it could definitely change the complexion of the race. I think you start seeing guys pushing it and, and running out or, um, it definitely can can change things. And the last, the first two years of the race, the guy that led the most laps didn't win it. So, um, so it's definitely definitely a, a unique race. All right, so we got Super Kart Week out of the way. We got the review of your two tracks. We've kind of gone over your two twelve main event. I want to talk briefly about the new class edition you got in terms of the Ghost Predator three sixty class, which. Um, some some of the I know the rules are um obviously your own and and different in comparison to um I guess you could say like the heavy tire predator or the mower tire predator classes um that run more out here in the eastern side of things and uh also travel around the state. But what are what is the rules of that class? How did it come about? And how is that class different from the two the other two I just mentioned? Well, we uh, the Ghost class. Let's see when when Predator put that put that Ghost engine out back in I think it came out in July, June or July. Um, it's three hundred dollars for a race engine, um, and we've had a couple of you know, a couple of tech guys tear into them and strip them down, check them all out, and they're they're a legitimate race engine. They're not they're not like a cheap you know they're not a, a the cheap mass produced you know, log splitter engine that we're running on the budget predators. Those are actually like, they're built with a lot more precision there and they dyno out to almost as much horsepower as a, as a typical clone and more torque. Um, so obviously we wanted to give racers an option to use that engine. Um, now our clones, our clone counts kind of struggle out here. Um, this, this class, this area really didn't have much cart racing going on for a long time. 
Um, and the clone class still kind of still kind of struggles. So we wanted to give a give an option for like some of these budget predator guys that they want to they want to step up uh, and want to move up and go a little bit faster. Um, then you know this this saves them a lot of money over going out and buying a clone. So we allowed it with our you know we call our our class we don't call it clone stock light or stock head. We we have several different engine options. You, you can run a flathead. You can run a you know you can run like a stage one predator. You can run you know a a, a um, and then one, you know, one of the uh, one of the ghost engines. There's a couple other options out there, but we started out with the ghost allowing. You know, they were basically the same same chassis rules and, and tire rules and stuff like that as the um, as the clones. But they, uh, you know, and they were, it was helping because we had you know we had three, four, or five guys that, that did buy the ghost engine. It was growing a little bit, but you know, a lot of them are just like, yeah, it's too close to a clone. It's still like they're not a big fan of the, like the lockdown type of racing. You know, it's where you're you're locked on the bottom. It's more of an asphalt style of racing. Um, you know, our tracks are my two tracks. The bulk of the drivers here are guys that got got priced out of the the big cars. So we got a lot of a lot of street stock racers and some sprint car racers and some sportsman guys. And you know, we've got guys that've done four, a lot of front wheel drive four cylinder guys, and truck racers, and and all that. That just you know they just got priced out of the other classes. But they you know they want to you know the, the the asphalt style race was well, fun. You know, the, you know, guys, guys are having fun. You know, like we know if we put treads, if we can put them on treads, then it's going to make for, it's going to make for a wider racing group. Cause you're actually, you know, for the people that aren't familiar with cart racing, typically if you get on a, on a clay track, you know, where you got some, you know, you got, you got a little bit of bite there. Slicks are actually faster than treads. Um, but the treads let you slide around, let you throw it in the corner a little bit more, and you're you're kind of you're going sideways through the corners like you would a, you know, a dirt stock car. Um, so I've I've kind of had the 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 itch to put uh, to put them on treads for a while, and it's just a matter of finding an affordable tread, um, you know, treaded tire. And I looked all around. We were looking at different like rain, even like asphalt rain tires, and just trying to figure out a an affordable option uh, for these guys. And the other guys, other the ghost guys, were like, yeah, I want to do it, but I really you know, I'm not a big fan of clone style racing and so uh I got uh you know a few this is only this is this this whole thing has only come out in like the last three weeks. I was out at Action Park. We were out at Action Park one night and uh Landon Cummings came out and he brought a like a UAS type of cart. Now Landon Landon's a modified racer, he's modified out of Thunder Mountain. Um he's got some wind stuff like that. He's a he's a good driver, he's a good he's a good kid too. He uh his dad used to build some of my engines for me and his dad and grandfather and him, um, when I was racing trucks. And uh but he brought one of those UAS type of type of carts out but it was on treaded tires and i jumped on that and went you know uh ran a few laps and uh and when you can go out there and you can throw it up on the cushion and actually have it stick and 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 have some fun i came out i was like all right now i know we're putting them on treads it's just a matter of what treads so i started looking around trying to find a you know a, a decent treaded tire that was going to be affordable and i just happened to walk into tractor supply one day and i saw these uh they're a high run, they're like an S type of tread pattern. So they're a little bit different than the, than like the heavy tire, tre- you know, the, 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 the heavy tire predators, mower tire predators run the, uh, you know, they run that turf saver tire where these are just like a, a turf tire. So they're a little different tread pattern, but I thought they'd be a little more conducive on my track surfaces to maybe a little bit more, let you run a little bit more in the looser stuff. Um, you know, especially action park where there's not a lot of clay content there. It's a kind of a, it's kind of sandy and it does bind together and it does get, it does make for good racing, but it's not like clay where, you know, you build up a cushion, you drive on it, you pack it and you go, you know, it's, uh, you know, when you get the loose stuff, it kicks up. It's you know, your, you know, slick tire. It's like hitting, like hitting ice. 
So, and I just, like I said, I had to look over and I saw, saw some of these tires. I was like, you know what? They're cheap. The rears are $31 a piece in the front. The, we're using the six and a half inch wide tires on the, on the rear and the five inch wide on the front. And, uh, and the, the, uh, uh, the front tires, you could find them online. They were, they were $39 at, at Tractor Supply, but you could find them online for $19.99 through Lowe's or Home Depot or one of those. So, so we ended up going with that tire, and it's just kind of an experiment to start with. I ordered a couple of I ordered a couple of each and threw them on mine. I went out and ran it against so it. I was like, oh, yep, here we are. This is what I want to do. This is a lot of fun. I put a bunch of guys on my cart like that night after the races were over. First night I had it out, and everyone was like, yep, I'm going to get one of these. We had a bunch of guys who go out and buy the Ghost Engines and – and order their wheels and tires and stuff like that and uh and go from there um as far as the bodies we want pretty open body style they can run the uf type body they can run the you know the heavy tire mower tire predator type of body or you know the dkm bodies they can run a standard cart body if they want so um and it's really taken like in like i said this whole thing is i think it's been less than three weeks and we had nine we had nine of these ghost carts signed in at champion last week and i expect to have more than that at action park um for the, the weekend of the 212. We're running them on Friday night that week, but, you know, we might have a dozen, 14, 15, something like that, just because it's uh, uh, puts on a lot better race. And we ran down at Champion last week. We had a uh, – the race for the lead was side-by-side. Side. I mean, dead heat across the line. It's damn near every lap for the last seven, eight laps of the race. And uh, it really had – it really raised some eyebrows about that tire and, and that engine program and all that, so – um, you know, there was a bunch of guys after the races jumped on my cart and went out there and they're like, yep, I'll have one before the next race. So that one's, that one's taking off, taking off like wildfire too. So I'm looking forward to the future on that class. All right. It sounds like we got a, a good start for a new class for you. You got, um, hopefully the super cart league launches off well for you. Um, and wrapping up the season for you, both at Champion and Action Park. Um, where yep. can people uh, find you on Facebook, the tracks, uh, get a, for the class and uh, for the new Ghost class and uh, Super Cart Week? And where can they find you? Uh, if you look up Double X Motorsports Promotions on Facebook, um, that's where I keep everything updated as far as like the Super Cart Week stuff and. We've got a flea market coming up. We're going to do the indoor stuff again this winter with a couple more races. Um, and, uh, you know, generally stuff like that, you can find it, like I said, Double X Motorsports Promotions. Um, the track Facebook pages are Action Park East Cart Speedway and Champion Speedway Cartway. Uh, the Facebook pages for the tracks. Um, the, uh, the class pages are uh, Ghost 360 uh, DXMP. Uh, just because there's apparently Ghost 360 is used for a lot of different stuff, like movies and crap like that. So the DXMP is that Double X Motorsports Promotions, um, and then uh, and the uh, uh, Extreme Budget Predators. Uh, just look up Extreme Budget Predator Carts on Facebook. The rules are pinned on all those on all those pages, um, as far as the class pages and stuff like that. So as the easiest way, or or my personal page, which is uh, Brandon Clapperton. Um, Easy, pretty easy to get a hold of on there as well. All right, Brandon, it was a pleasure having you on, and uh, hopefully, uh, again, got good success coming out to wrap up the season. Uh, hopefully, next year, uh, you launch off in the same suit. We'll try to get you back on and uh, see what you guys 
are planning on doing in terms of not only the tracks, but also with the classes you've team you've now come up with, and uh, we'll see look how look and see how twenty twenty three looks. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. You too. Yeah. All right, folks. All right, that, was Brandon, that was Brandon Clapperton from Action Park East, champion uh, cartways in central New York. Uh, and he's got a lot playing with Super Kart Week. Uh, of course, the Extreme Budget Predators that he started around COVID year and uh, and now the Ghost 360 uh, Predators. So, Awesome interview, man. You've done a great job, buddy. Oh, well, we've uh, gotten to our final half hour of the show. We want to thank you guys once again uh, for listening, uh, being with us uh, here tonight on Race Chat Live. Uh, We do have a fan question that was submitted before we get to our final uh, moments and picks here for the show. Uh, The fan question uh, coming from our longtime friend, Mr. Becca, uh, from Talladega this weekend, Haley Deegan's crew member gets removed for retrieving the tire rolling away. Okay, a rule book violation, but he may have prevented an accident. She hit one of her pit crew members coming into her spot, causing the tire to go flying. Why not remove her? Uh, and uh, she said that she'll be listening to the show tomorrow. Um, Taz, you want to take this one? Why why did they not remove the driver but the crew member? Um, I think the I think the intent wasn't for the crew member to get hit or however the incident happened. Um, I think like I said, I think regardless, throwing them out on that race at the spot is a little much a penalty later on can be assessed. Um, but I, I, I think it's because whoever, you know, really, uh, put their life on the line should be the one, you know, being assessed a penalty. So it wasn't really Deegan's fault per se. Um, it was more on the crew in that aspect. So the crew had to get penalized. But, like I said, just getting thrown out on the spot, I think, is a little excessive. And they could have done the penalty probably, like, a couple days after. Yeah, I think the reason why he was thrown out immediately was because he was a he was not new, and he should have known better than to cross a live racetrack after a tire. You see it a lot of things at the races uh, over, over a lifetime, and uh, that was probably one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. But I do understand the question probably a little bit uh, by, you know, for the most part, look, we're always penalizing the driver for coming too fast down or the uh, too many men over over the wall, uh, you know, uh, objects leaving pit road. Uh, you know, that really has nothing to do with the driver, but the driver gets penalized. In this situation, the driver did not get a penalty uh, and she was the one who basically hit the crew member. So I can understand the question. Um, and, and, you know, NASCAR penalizes the driver so many so many other times in so many other ways. Uh, why not a penalty 
uh, to the driver for this type of mishap. So I, I do get that. Um, I'm not sure why. That's one of those where they just penalize the crew member. Um, I, you know, I just know it's a, one of those basically everybody should know rules that NASCAR will get the tire, will retrieve the tire in the, in the safest time uh to do that, and, uh, you know, basically, if a piece of equipment leaves the pit area or leaves the pit stall, uh, NASCAR will penalize you, but that also keeps you from having to um, uh, uh, go and uh, retrieve something and putting putting you or one of your crew members uh, in, in danger. So I'm not sure why there was not a penalty given to Haley Deacon, uh, but I do understand completely why NASCAR ejected that crew member and probably sent him directly for a drug test uh, just to make sure that, uh, you know, I did hear that he got a car car pulled, but, you know, that that, that can probably be redeemed, uh, especially if he can prove that uh, he wasn't on any narcotics or drugs or has a specific reason why he left the pit stall. Um, but I, I do see where NASCAR could have parked Haley Deacon uh, for a couple of laps because action in by, by her pit crew. Uh, but, uh, so I guess we have a uh, black flag, checker flag. Um, it's kind of been tough tonight uh, doing our typical show. Uh, when uh, we, you know, we plan a show for three people and we only have two. But I think tonight we've done a great job of keeping things uh, moving along. And, uh, of course, we have a couple of people listening. Uh, Miss Elise said pulling his hard card was extreme. Uh, Craig said that they won't pull a driver. He knew better. Um, and also, George Strait says it takes at least two days to recover from the weekend in Talladega. Because he is a real troubadour. Um so it, let's go to black flag, checker flag. Uh, I will start with you, Taz. Um, black flag goes out to the checker the truck series. Oh, Miss Lee just said it too. Took my black flag there. Na- to NASCAR for the truck series uh, winner decision. They had to go off the technicality of when the yellow went off instead of letting the you know, the field race to the checkers um, where Brett Holmes should have won the race instead of Matt DiBenedetto. Um, but that's how they rule it. I find it very dumb and stupid because it's not like that in any other form of racing, but whatever. Uh, checker flag goes out to the Cup Series uh, teams for um, getting the drivers together. And making sure, you know, everyone was pretty much on the same page. Obviously, they all knew accidents would happen, but they also had the idea of um, making sure that their bumpers were in alignment. They didn't, you know, do something stupid to cause a major accident and possibly hurt uh, any more drivers than what we already are dealing with. Um and awesome. I think I think that's it. All right. Well, I give my black flag goes to Carson Hosovar. 
for spinning out and creating a caution uh, there at the start-finish line in the truck series. Uh, you know, you park it at the start-finish line in uh, dirt tracks, and you'll get a caution, and you'll get to keep your lap and everything else like that. Uh, NASCAR does not uh, – they don't like uh, that, that whole sitting to bring out or spinning out on purpose. Uh, to bring out a caution, which is exactly what Carson Hosevar has done. He's not only done it once this year, he's done it twice. Come on, Carson, get it together, man. You can't be staging cautions like that. It it just makes you look like an idiot. Um, My checker flag goes to DBC, of course. Week in, week out, they give me something. They give me a different perspective and something else that I'm able to bring to this show uh, each week. And so, you know, big a, you know, a checkered flag for those guys. It's an inside scoop. I mean, every week I get an inside scoop on what happened at the racetrack. And, uh, I mean, I just really enjoy their podcast. And if you haven't listened to them, uh, then, you know, maybe you should. Uh, maybe you'll get as good of a laugh out of it as I do. The guys don't hold anything back. And I think that that's, uh, that's a perspective that uh, you have to respect. Uh, in this racing age at, at this point, um, they do act like they drive the race cars, and they don't. Um, some of them act uh, arrogant and know more, act like they know more than what they really do. But, hey, you know, that's uh, – I bet you you can find that, <laughs> that right here on Race Chat Live. Uh, we, and the host is probably speaking right now, uh, one of those that can be accused of that. So, uh, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, my checker flag. Let's see if anybody else. Check a flag to Jordan Anderson and AMR response to Ms. Lee. Um, black flag to NASCAR for the truck race decision. I agree with that as well, Ms. Lee and Seth Taylor. Um, that was just a fiasco. Uh, but, uh, yeah, thank goodness Jordan Anderson is okay. And uh, a great response. Of course, they had him airlifted out of there within like ten minutes. So, um, uh, that's, uh, I want to throw in this, Chris. I want to throw in a stat for the Talladega race and how you mentioned um, people complain about no passing. Well, yeah. this will change your factor on this one. Fifty-seven lead changes, which I believe, if I remembered right, hearing it on the broadcast, it was the most. Uh, lead changes this season, and there were 10,035 green flag passes, which averages to 61.6 per green flag lap. Wow. So, basically, half the field was passing half the other field. Uh, that's amazing. I mean, that's an interesting set. Start of the day. Start of the day. Start of the day. <laughs> well, well, well. Well, look at where we are now. We're headed to Charlotte. That's where we're headed, the Charlotte Roval, uh, the road course that's in the chase. This is a cutoff race. Uh, Chase Elliott has locked himself in. I believe uh, he may be the only one locked in. I do believe we have some chase uh, scenarios uh, that we can go over very quickly. Let me see if I can pull the article. Um, elimination scenarios from Scott um, Sports. Uh, basically, 
Basically, um, Alex Bowman obviously won't be in, so he's basically eliminated. Uh, Christopher Bell is basically a must-win. Byron, Sindrick, Briscoe, Suarez, Larson, and Logano basically have to get enough points. Hamlin needs a little help in the stages, along with Ross Chastain. Ryan Blaney, um, I think for the most part, is okay. Unless he has a rough go early on in the race, I think he'll be all right. So, really the only one guaranteed is Chase Elliott. Ryan Blaney is pretty much there. I think if he scores um, a few points in the first stage, he'll be all right. Chastain and Hamlin need a little help in the stages, and they'll be all right. And then Logano, Larson, Suarez, Briscoe, Cindric, Byron uh, basically have to earn their spots in. Bell basically must win at this point. Yeah, Bell went from one of my favorites to uh, straight out uh, sucks. But, hey, he could get a win here and it turned completely around, uh, similar to what we've seen uh, with Chase Elliott. So uh, Fox Sports has basically got it like this. Advance is Chase Elliott to stay on track. That's Ryan Blaney, Ross Chastain, and Denny Hamlin. Uh, Ryan Blaney's plus 32, Ross Chastain plus 28, Denny Hamlin plus 21. Boy, Denny Hamlin sure has come far from that 21st points position that he was sitting in at midseason. Staying staying near the front, uh, plus 18 is Joey Logano, plus 18 is Kyle Larson, and plus 12 is Daniel Suarez. Uh, Those drivers who need to take some chances to get in, uh, Chase Briscoe sits in the eighth spot. Austin Sendrick in the ninth spot. Both are uh, zero points above the cut line, uh, which would lead to a tie, which would lead to a tiebreaker. And William Byron, uh, with an 11-point deficit, definitely one that needs to take a chance to, to race his way in. Of course, uh, Alex Bowman will be officially eliminated at the start of the race. And Christopher Bell. We all know Alex Bowman is already eliminated, I believe. Uh, but uh, Christopher Bale is uh, the guy that, uh, with negative 33 points, he's going to have to win in order to uh, to advance into the playoffs. So um, that's it, man. I mean, wow. We, we covered a lot of tracks here today. Of course, we had a 30-minute interview as well. Uh, Taz Taylor just knocked out of the ballpark. So great to hear the strength in your voice as you've been able to uh, really lock in some of these interviews this year, Taz Taylor. Uh, you've come such a far away from where you first began uh, being a, a part-time correspondent here on Race Chat Live. Now you're conducting full-blown interviews and keeping the seat warm for a solid 30 minutes. And, you know, that's Anytime you can keep a guest talking for 30 minutes, I think that it's always a successful interview. And uh, you, you have showed many times beforehand uh, throughout this year uh, that you can handle those kind of situations. It's just amazing. And uh, um, I want to thank you uh, for your dedication to Race Chat Live and, and the growth of not only just this station and the, the, uh, the network, for this show and uh, the great interviews that you've been able to bring here on the uh, uh, on the podcast, and Craig Moore as well. Craig's brought on a lot of good guests this year, and uh, 
he's done really well at making sure we get some of the best uh, on the airway. All right, so that pretty much leads us to our picks there, Chris. Um, I think just Xfinity and Cup this week. I think trucks are off. Um, trying to pull them, pull up their schedule. Yeah, they're off till Homestead. All right. Well, you know, it's, it's a road course, so of course, AJ Allmendinger uh, seems to be the first of mine. And uh, you know what? I'm going to go out and I'm, I'm going to pick AJ Allmendinger because I feel like he's probably going to give me my best chance uh, of picking up one here. Whether or not he sweeps the weekend, I'm just not really sure that that's going to happen. It's probably not in the mix. Uh, for him to sweep the weekend. So I will uh, put my attention on Kyle Lars for the win at the Charlotte Roval in the Cup Series. Uh, All right, so you got Dinger and Larson. Um, I'm going with Dinger as well. For the Xfinity, for the cup side, I'm going Chase Elliott. Oh. Well, I feel like I should have took Chase Elliott now because I see where this is going. Um, Miss Lee has chosen Dinger. Wait. Okay, um, she's going with Larson, and mm-hmm. now remember, race fans, if we all pick Dinger, uh, we will have to re-pick in the Xfinity series. Miss Lee, what is your Xfinity series pick? has not submitted his picks yet. We'll be hanging on the rafters to see if uh, Mr. CJ Sports picks uh, AJ Allmendinger. We'll see if Ms. Lee deciding on X. Getting tired is what I'm uh, Does y'all pick Dinger? <laughs> Ms. Lee. <laughs> Who's your pick? <laughs> uh, Lord have mercy. All right, so I don't know where Ms. Lee is going with her pick. I think she's going to hold on to it there for a little bit. Uh, but as, as of right now, Dinger has been picked by three of us, and uh, a couple of people have chosen Chase, and a couple of people have chosen Larson. Since y'all picked Dinger, who you picking? Combined sick and tired is what I'm dealing with. I'm deciding on X. Who is X? Who is X? Is this a math problem? Because I didn't do too well in math. Oh, man. All right. So I guess we'll get uh, Miss Lee's pick in eight. Uh, what's his name? All right. Well, that is going to be the show. Here tonight, race fans, we want to thank y'all for listening to Race Chat Live. We'll be back 
next week as we are in our final episodes of this season. Race Chat Live will go off the air. The conclusion of the NASCAR race season, of course, that Sunday afternoon, uh, we will have our last show of the season as we get ready for the holidays. Um, Taz, Taylor, do you want to take it to the house? How do you want to close this thing out, man? All right. Well, I'll try my best here. <laughs> um, thank you along, everyone, for listening along to Race Chat Live. Thank you, Brandon Clapperton, for coming on to be guest of our show tonight. Uh, we'll see you all next Tuesday night for Race Chat Live, another roundtable to happen next week as we will now find out who our eight or 12 drive no, eight drivers now um, that could be moving on to the final four. Um, so be sure to listen along to that. Uh, we'll see you all the same bat time, same bat place here at Race Chat Live. You can check us out on any form of podcast if you miss our live uh, show here on Blog Talk Radio. You can listen to listen to us on Blog Talk Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, any and basically any place you could get your uh, podcast. Uh, we're pretty much there. Just look us up on One Ten Nation Sports, and we'll pop up for uh, through there. We'll see you at the same bat time, same bat place next Tuesday night here at Race Chat Live. Uh, Chris. Take it away. All right, I'm going to hit the music. Just a good old boy, never meaning no harm. Beats all you never saw, been in trouble with the law since the day they was born. Straightening the curve. Someday the mountain might get them, but the law never will. Making their way. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.